0: Good morning. It is Friday, the 28th of October, 2022. And even though Russia has said now, oh, you know, we're not gonna use a nuclear weapon in Ukraine. So I'm very, very grateful for that. They are, however, um, now twice in two months, warning the United States and other Western nations um, that they will be targeting, potentially targeting U.S. commercial satellites. So a Russian foreign ministry official told the United Nations on Wednesday that the United States and its Western allies that our commercial satellites could become, quote, legitimate targets for retaliatory action. So the first thing that comes to mind is Starlink, obviously. Elon Musk uh, has deployed um, SpaceX's Starlink satellites throughout Ukraine since the early days of the war to help provide Internet service across the country and the ability of people to be able to continue to communicate. Earlier this month, um, he said the Starlink satellites provide a, quote, major battlefield advantage to Ukraine. But there are other ways that Western commercial satellites um, have been used that Russia views as, um, you know, as significant and therefore acts of war. Um, Commercial satellites have been used to document Russia's military deployments and developments, damage to Russian air bases, um, mass graves in areas occupied by Russian forces, on and on and on and on and on. So um, Russia's representative to the United Nations, his name is uh, Konstantin Vorontsov, he said this, these states, and by that he means the United States and um, Western allies, do not realize that such actions in fact constitute indirect participation in military conflict. Quasi-civilian infrastructure may become a legitimate target for retaliation. Those comments made on Wednesday um, reflect uh, and reiterate or echo the statements that he made to the United Nations last month on the same topic when he said, let me reiterate our concern about the uh, the realization of policies aimed at the placement of weapons in outer space and the use of outer space for military purposes. Um So what he's talking about there are commercial satellites. And you say to yourself, ah, who cares? I'm not on Starlink in Ukraine. I'm not too worried about all of this. Okay, so just pause for a moment and consider all of the ways that you are dependent upon commercial satellites in your day-to-day life. And you may say to yourself, hmm, I don't really know. I don't really know. Here's a list I made this morning. Do you use GPS Do you use GPS, not only for navigation, but for, well, frankly, lots of the apps on your phone? Anything that is, like, location-enabled, yeah, you're using GPS. How about satellite radio, satellite television, or satellite-dependent internet? Yeah, if you live in rural America, you are probably dependent on satellites for your internet access. Um, If you have DirecTV, that is satellite-enabled, Uh, satellite radio. Um, Well, in fact, what we're doing right now is internet dependent and therefore at some level satellite dependent. Um, Do you rely on weather forecasts? Mm -hmm. Are you a farmer? Are you a truck driver? Do you rely on weather forecasts? Yeah, those are GPS dependent. The same satellites um, that are up there, you know, taking note of the weather um, are a part of the constellation of commercial satellites that are being discussed here. And then I'll just say this, because I feel like, you know, if, if so far you've said, oh, no, I don't care about weather forecasts, and I don't have satellite TV or satellite-dependent internet, and I don't use GPS, I use, you know, old traditional maps because I'm just like Neil Stavem. Okay, well, do you rely on a cell phone for banking, shopping, keeping a calendar? Do you use an ATM? Do you pay for your gas at the pump? The GPS timing signal is critical to every electronic transfer in the U.S. economy. The U.S. economic infrastructure (laughs) is reliant on something called point-of-sale transactions. Point-of-sale transactions are accomplished using debit and credit cards that are uh, satellite-linked. Satellites are necessary for ATMs and gas pumps and check transactions and credit authorizations and cell phone communication and broadband internet and phone service and, well, frankly, the electrical grid. Yep, that's right, the electrical grid. Oh, and everything that happens on an airplane during flight. So when Russia threatens to take out commercial U.S. satellites, that's a direct threat uh, and would have significant real-world impacts for every one of us, including our ability to do what we're doing right now. If you're listening on the live stream or via Faith Radio app, yep, you're listening via a commercial satellite. We're going to talk to Adam Holtz next from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You are right now listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families, plugged in, is back. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> I'm trying not to freak people out, and yet I'm trying to, you know, let okay, people know help. what's going on. So, it's hard.
1: And, it, and another thing. Here's the <laughs> other thing. Started. Okay. When you, What do you think happens when you blow up a satellite in space?
0: I think it creates little bits of debris that fall back to Earth. Right. But I didn't want to say right. that.
1: What? No, that's not the issue. Oh. Most of that would be small enough that it would burn up. And I'm not a rocket scientist, but I play one on TV. Um, but you create a gigantic mess in space that makes it much more difficult to, you know, you might think, oh, we'll just send another satellite up. No problem, right? No, it's not that simple. Uh, it's expensive. It's time consuming. But you have an environment that is suddenly more hostile to any other spacecraft that's up there. I mean, we all remember, well, those of us of a certain age remember conversations about tiles coming off the space shuttle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was a, it was an incredibly fragile thing. And spacecraft, we might think of them like the Millennium Falcon, you know, you can bounce an asteroid or two off of it and it won't hurt it. No, that's, this. the Millennium Falcon is not real as much as I would like it to be, but all of that debris floating around in space makes sending any further space missions up much, much, much more dangerous and maybe even impossible in some cases. So there you go. One more I actually thing, have
0: and- a I have a commercial <laughs> idea for somebody. Um I don't know how you know, so like here on Earth, we have guys who come and pick up the trash and it's actually a pretty right. good, you know, like commercial industry. Somebody needs to develop like trash collection for space because there's a lot of junk up there. Yeah. I mean, no, I just feel is. like, you know, if you're listening right now and you, you needed a good entrepreneurial idea, I'm pretty sure this is a good and, entre- and you, entrepreneurial idea.
1: So if you want to do a fun search that won't get you fired, Google, I just did it, space trash map, and you'll see what's already <laughs> floating up in space. And it looks like, almost like Saturn. Some of these maps, there's so much junk floating around the Earth and orbiting the Earth that, you know. <laughs>
0: All right you you hooked did, me did you I did it? it i I did it I googled oh, that's what I'm saying. I googled space trash map, and there's a lot of it there you go there isn't there is an enterprising opportunity for somebody to figure out how to start collecting trash in space uh there yep. there's a lot of it that's a good thing to do, okay, yep. um back here on earth um
2: <laughs> thank even you for though
0: you, by the way. yeah, no, thank <laughs> you um even though I just confess to you, I don't even want to talk about it, but I feel like in sort of the public service realm, we have to. Apparently, yeah. there's a trend on TikTok where people are taping their mouth shut while they sleep. I mean, what what in the world is going on?
1: Um, okay. Kids
0: are kids are doing this. I mean, I, really?
1: Yeah, and it's it's less an issue of, of a kid doing it, but the issue is for those of us who have obstu- obstructive sleep apnea, which mm. I do. The issue is that you could you could really hurt yourself, and, and I don't want to be hysterical here. But even though it's much healthier to breathe through your nose, if you have a breathing problem and you tape your mouth shut, you could literally end up dead. Um, you know, I had a sleep test about a year ago, and I have massive obstructive sleep apnea, which means I breathe through my mouth a lot of the time, uh, which is bad, and I'm working on it. But um, it's not good, right? And so sometimes... There are things that feel like, oh, that's a little life hack. That's fun. No, you could kill yourself. Now, again, if you're 20 years old, you probably don't have obstructive sleep apnea that's going to result in you not being able to breathe at night. But there are some people out there who could think that's a great idea. Um, and if they tried it, uh, they might find out otherwise and not in a good way. Hmm.
0: Okay. There you go. If you want more on this, uh, the link will be in the show notes today. Um, Adam and I are going to talk about Powerball, not because we're advocating the lottery, but because we want to have a conversation about this cultural trend and what's going on and the Christian worldview in relationship to it. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is amazing All right. So apparently the Powerball is up over $800 million. Um, That'll be the jackpot. I guess the drawing is tomorrow night. Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Adam, let's just reflect together on the lottery and God and Christians buying lottery tickets.
1: Oh boy. There's a lot to say here, Carmen. Um, And I want to start with a very plugged in starting point in that we know about this because there are billboards all over, at least there are in Colorado Springs, telling us what the Powerball numbers are. But we see advertisements. We are the initial incitement, if you will, to purchase a lottery ticket is, uh, you know, it's rooted in, a, we'll call it the media industrial complex. So there's, that's the starting point. Um, it, the, the next thing I want to say is that it wasn't that long ago. Not that long, a generation ago, call it 40 years. You and I grew up in a world in which gambling, which let's make no mistake, this is a game of chance, it is gambling, um, was really frowned upon culturally. You know, If somebody went to Las Vegas for a weekend, they didn't necessarily come back and put it on their Facebook account. Now, they didn't have Facebook. But um, there was a cultural idea that this is not a good use of money, and that has changed uh, and I think actually the lottery in the 1980s, I remember when the lottery started in the 1980s in Iowa and all of a sudden it normalized the idea of gambling. Uh, and so I think even though slippery slope arguments often make people roll their eyes and raise their eyebrows, um, I think that this really is sort of the, an entry point into a bigger discussion about gambling. And now we have gambling everywhere. I mean, what state probably doesn't have legalized gambling somewhere? Um, I heard somebody say once that uh, the lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math. Uh, And I love that because it's funny and kind of snarky, but you're just throwing your money away. So from a stewardship standpoint, yeah, you know, so you're saying there's a chance, but it's one in what? Millions, one in billions. Uh, it's not a good way to use your money. But I think that my biggest concern here, and I'm just going through my bullet list of why the lottery is bad, is that we're participating in a system that it may not be an addiction for you and it may not wreck your life, but by supporting gambling, we're supporting a system that wrecks other people's lives. Now, that may be more true if we're talking about going to a casino, um, but a lot of the people who are rolling the dice metaphorically speaking on a lottery ticket they can't afford to do it it is a regressive tax on those who can least afford to play and when we when we buy a ticket we're participating in that system
0: yeah and now I mean people are gambling in real time on apps on their phone oh yeah oh, and exactly. I suspect and I suspect that there's they're just like that it it's incentivizing gambling more and more and more and more and more because there's more right. and more and more things to bet on, and it's just right. such an awful dangerous addictive um i mean it it it's not just robbing you of your money like this is a this is a destructive behavior for you and the welfare right. of your family and your future security and yep. on and on and on and on and on,
1: yeah, and it's all in the name of getting rich quick. Right. And so we haven't even talked about what scripture has to say about working and earning your keep as opposed to looking for a shortcut and gambling is a shortcut. I mean, there's no way around it. And look, you know, if you go to the casino and play a couple rounds of blackjack twice a year, I'm not really trying to give you a guilt trip, but I do think we need to be honest about the reality of what this system is doing. Um, and, and that when we participate in it, we're essentially saying, yeah, it's okay that some people really are addicted to this. And I, I get really frustrated. We've seen since 2019, the laws changed that, uh, nationally that enabled, um, gambling. And so now we see gambling commercials constantly during football games. You know, I want to take Jamie Foxx out and just have a conversation and saying, Jamie, you are destroying people's lives by repping okay, the company I, that you rep for. I,
0: I, I want to take the Manning brothers out and do the same no, no, thing. I'm like, you guys were absolutely. like the good guys. And now yep. what are you doing? No, okay. Well, there you go. go. Now, now I'm on, now yeah. I'm on the mama rant. I'm so sorry for right? those of you. No, I, I who, had the yeah. same,
1: same response, same response.
0: Yeah. <clears> so, All right. For those of you, you who don't know what we're talking about, there's a thing called Caesar's sports book and um, yeah, they run ads all the time. It's it's everywhere, and the Manning brothers are featured in their ads, and it just makes me so mad because. But I, can I I say they,
1: one. I, yeah. Yeah. One more thing here. This has to do with worldview, and it does show how media. When we're constantly exposed to a particular point of view, and we don't think critically about it, we will be influenced by it unconsciously, and the unconscious influence here is. Well, how bad could gambling be if all these people are saying, go do it? Now, you may not actually think about it that consciously, but I guarantee you the bombardment of those commercials has invited and or enticed some people to gamble who never would have done it otherwise. And some of those people end up in real trouble. Uh, And so I think we got to think clearly about that.
0: All right. Um, uh, I want to answer Nan- Nancy's question. Um, Nancy said, "Hey, um, in relationship <laughs> to the conversation you guys had about potentially um, destroying things in space, are there still humans up there in that shuttle thing? Um, shouldn't they be brought back to Earth?" Okay, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the International Space Station, uh, and there are Russians on board. So, and Russian Russia actually like runs the runs the shuttle service back and forth. So, I I suspect that the space International Space Station will not be uh, a target of things that they're talking about.
1: Yes, Um, I think that's right. Okay,
0: and then we have uh, questions for Adam. Oh, gosh, people love you, and they like you to address things. So here we go. Um, Is there a Christian horror movie? Like, you know, movies that would be made um, for Christians, not at the expense of biblical teaching or how the church acts. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Christian. And then they're saying, like, you know, let's start with the screw tape letters. (laughs)
1: Well, you can start with the screw tape later. So I'm going to give you an explicit uh, Christian horror movie An explicit because it was made by a guy named Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson is a director in Hollywood who is a Christian has talked a lot about his faith. He went into horror because he felt like it was the only genre that we could still talk about good and evil and consequences and uh, the reality of spiritual things. Now, To be fair, and maybe to be a little bit mean, some of the stuff Scott has done, uh, I wouldn't recommend. However, he did a movie, um, I don't have it in front of me and I'm not Googling it, 2005, 2006, 2007, somewhere in there, called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which was based on a real exorcism in Germany in the early 1970s in which a girl died. And then there was a lawsuit that tried to determine the reality of the demonic influence that she was allegedly suffering under. Um, this is a terrifying movie. It is. It will make your skin crawl, but it, what Derrickson does is really interesting. He says there are two competing explanations for what happened to this girl. One was that she was possessed. The other is that she was seriously mentally unstable and that they what they tried to do with the exorcism actually resulted in her death. And so it's a court case. We hear both sides, but then we see the depiction of, of, you know, the alleged demonic possession. And Scott just sort of lets you, he just, he just hangs it out there. He doesn't try to answer the question. Uh, Very, very, very scary movie, but a movie done by a Christian who takes spiritual reality seriously. Um, Interesting film. So if you can stomach some pretty creepy horror that one is probably the, the best horror movie I have ever seen because it raises all of these questions really effectively.
0: Mm. All right. Uh, Rick is saying also Agnes of God, maybe.
1: Yeah. I know. You know, I, you I am not, I'd have to go back and look at our, I think we reviewed that. And, and I think that you will find that horror is a genre that often has a spiritual component to it. But often that spirituality is is really distorted. You know, we reduce it down to holy water and crucifixes and mm-hmm. it becomes not about faith anymore and more about these, you know, these tokens that somehow protect us and ward off evil talismans. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so I think that we have to really watch with a lot of discernment. And, and most of the time, those things are violent. There's imagery that's scary. I don't think most people probably need to be watching horror movies. But if you have a 16-year-old son who is in that phase, uh, there might be a conversation starter there if you watch a movie like The Exorcism of Emily Rose.
0: All right, Adam, um, my next conversation today is going to be with a 13-year-old who wrote a joke book. So um, we're going to move from this to people laughing out loud. And as a good segue Lol. into that conversation. <laughs> Susan texted in this. How about a movie about hell? Because that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right.
1: Well, there you go. I could give you we, some of those, but we don't have time. We
0: got, <laughs> I know. We got to leave it right there. Hey, you guys need to go to uh, PluggedIn.com and read the review of All's Quiet on the Western Front. Lots of other great stuff there as well. Uh, a review of Taylor Swift's new album. Um, all kinds of stuff. All right. PluggedIn.com. Adam, as always, thank you so much.
1: You bet.
0: Listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Are you up for a little Friday fun here on Mornings with Carmen? William Daniels going to join us next. He's 13 years old. He has written a book called You're joking me. Yep, it has um, great, what I will call, backseat jokes in it. You've heard some some jokes from the backseat, haven't you? These are actually really pretty good. William's going to join us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Them laugh make them laugh
2: don't you know everyone wants to laugh ah, ah. my dad said be an myself. all
0: right William Daniel who goes by will is a seventh grader he is a World War II enthusiast he's a competitive gymnast he builds model airplanes he's a twin I think he has red hair and a dog named Riley he lives in Colorado with his family and he likes to make people laugh will welcome to mornings with Carmen Yeah, thank you. Do you have red hair? I do have red hair, yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a part of this conversation that, um, that maybe you should start listing in your bio as well. Talk with us about why you chose to write a book and why, of all the books you might have written, you chose to write a joke book.
2: Well, it started off with my father and my grandfather telling me jokes, and I thought they were so funny. And so I decided to write my own. And from there, I wrote a joke book because I like to make people laugh. And I thought if I could share my jokes with the world, it would just make me really happy.
0: All right. So um, making other people happy and making other people laugh. I appreciate that this kind of started with like dad jokes and granddad jokes, um, because I will confess, as I was reading some of your jokes, I was thinking to myself, I can absolutely hear my grandfather or my dad saying some of these things and me rolling my eyes. But you're not a dad or a granddad. Um, no. And so these these are not dad jokes. These are really will jokes. So maybe talk a little bit about how you come up with your jokes. Like, where do you find your inspiration?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of times where I find my inspiration is from – uh, looking at words basically. I'll either I'll look, I'll open up a book, and I'll look at words, and I think, okay, could this go with something else? Could this go with something? Could the in? I'll just go down the page until I find something. Oh, here we go. And there's these things called a homophone in in grammar. A thing called a homophone, where you have two words that sound alike but have different meaning and spelling. And those form a, a base for a joke, like pear and pear. You can have a pair of socks or you could have a pear, the pear of the fruit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Pair of socks, pear, uh, the pear that is a fruit. And from that, then you would, you would think about maybe the way those two things could relate. Could you give us, um, oh, well, here would be one. Maybe this, is, uh, maybe this was inspired by a homophone. What is a golfer's favorite drink? What? Right. Tea. Yeah. This is from... So I'm yeah, looking at, yeah. um, right, like I'm looking at things in your book and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if, um, if Will is thinking about homophones, maybe he is looking at the word tea and the word tea and he's like, oh, yeah, golfer's favorite drink, tea, tea. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask you another, um, another joke from your book that looks yeah, yeah, also to me like a homophone? What For, happens when a pony sings yeah mm-hmm. are you mm-hmm. gonna answer it or my?
2: I? I i can answer it
0: yeah yeah you should he answer it
2: little, he gets a little horse
0: <laughs> see yeah. i love that i love that all mm-hmm. right so that's a couple of examples of um of jokes from william daniels you're joking me yeah, what um what happens when a pony sings? Well, he gets a little hoarse. Or what's a golfer's favorite drink? It's tea. Those are some examples of what you'll find in Your Joking Me. And yes, we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four to enter the drawing of uh of your joking me that we're giving away today. Um, all right, talk with us um about um You know, like how many jokes you think, I mean, you've probably not included all of your jokes in this first book. Do you anticipate this will be the first book of many?
2: I hope it will be the first book of many, as you described. Um, I'm really set on to writing a second one, but when the time comes, we'll see.
0: When you think about, um, you know, what you and your friends and maybe even kids younger than you you know, life is, can be pretty stressful. Um, The shutdowns during COVID have been really hard. How can jokes and how can jokes and laughter help, um, you know, when kids are living in a world that's so full of worry?
2: Yeah. um, Well, I actually started off writing in um, COVID years, Uh, but it it kept, it kept me uh, from not worrying. Um, But For other kids who have worries, and jokes are, for me, uh, are a place to escape. Kind of like when people read a story. For me, it's jokes. I just, I get lost in the goofiness of them, and it kind of just, you know, sets me back from the rest. And, but another, if uh, kids have worries, uh, jokes, for me, and humor in general, is about building relationships. Uh, humor does that well let me put it this way good humor builds it well and if kids can build a relationship with somebody else um, then that can help them have less worry
0: so when you refer to your dad and your granddad and now when you talk about um, relationship building it makes me wonder like how your family has made use of good humor um, in in your life because it sounds like humor is a part of uh, the regular rhythm of your family life.
2: Definitely, um we'll, we'll be walking out the door to go to dinner or something and I'll just co- you know, come up with a joke right then and there from what somebody said and you know, of course they they look over at me and roll their eyes. <laughs> but it that I I would still consider even if the joke is bad, um I'd still consider it good humor. Um but if you're wondering how um it plays a role in our life, uh, good humor in our, it builds our relationship and within our family because, uh, like I described earlier, it'll build relationship between, uh, two friends, um, but how it describe uh, builds relationship within a family, um, is kind of the same way where you, nothing is, you don't want your, or I'm sorry, let me put it this way. You don't want your family life to be really boring, you know? Um,
0: <laughs> if you have no, a few
2: good jokes just to keep it, you know, yeah. light.
0: No, I think that it keeps things from being boring. It keeps things from just like always being too serious. Um, I also think humor is one of those things, particularly a good joke. It can help, like, Put the two of us on the same plane. Like, we can, not yeah. like an airplane, but like, you know, the, well, there's a homophone for you. Um, but yep. like, you know, <laughs> on the same level, like, right? And so you're 13. I am not. That is not going to surprise you. Um, and yet, a good joke like puts us on the same level in conversation with each yes, other. Yes,
2: exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. We're going to um, continue our conversation here with William Daniel in just a moment. He's the author of You're Joking Me. It's his first joke book. He's in seventh grade. Um, in addition to coming up with jokes and now being a published author, he builds model airplanes. He wants to be a pilot. He's a twin yeah, and he's a ginger, which I think has something to do with all of this, but who knows? Um, examples of what you're gonna find. Hey, what do dinosaurs mine with? Dynomite. And what's a pig's best talent? Bacon. More of this up next on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings
2: with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider
0: subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit
2: subscribe and have a great day. Give me a good cup of coffee.
0: You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're continuing our conversation with William Daniel. He's the author of You're Joking Me. Um, You can find it everywhere books are sold, or we're giving away a handful of copies today. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. If you have um, let's say an upper elementary or middle school kid who suffers from some anxiety is having a hard time making friends, maybe feels lonely at school. You're really the person I want to give these books to. Um, because I really think that what William has done is created a resource where we could memorize a handful of really good jokes. They could be our go to jokes in conversation. Um, And they would help us bridge some of that social anxiety that we experience in environments today, particularly, you know, for our kids who might be having a hard time integrating into a new community or back into the regular rhythm um, of of life post-COVID. So, William, when you think about having a few good go-to jokes and you think about students you know friends that you know maybe yourself um in terms of feeling lonely or anxious in certain social settings how how do you know how does having some go-to jokes like you know in the back of your mind how does that help in terms of sort of bridging those social gaps
2: well for me um i know i describe myself a lot but i too am in school um and i am here to make friends but you know, I, I'll i be walking down the hall with somebody and I'll just tell them a joke and sometimes they're like, eh, nice, is that from your book? And like, yeah. But to get over social anxiety, um, jokes are great, especially if you have them memorized because although you have the risk of somebody not laughing at it, you know, at least you're still giving it a try. But jokes are something that, I say work if you're trying to make friends because, uh, like I said, they're light, airy, and goofy. And so those are the things that people will look in for friends, Um, especially nowadays, because people are trying to get away from all their worry and stuff. So they'll go to humor. And so that's why humor, I think, right now is the best way to make friends.
0: All right, so I have uh, I have scanned through your joking me, and I think that there are some jokes very very appropriate for the days in which we're living right now. Um, you even have a couple of jokes in here that I would consider political. So I'm gonna le- I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna set you up to um, to give the punchline. Is that okay? All right, all right. Why did the guy do a marathon to the White House?
2: Because he was running for president. <laughs> See? How many like of you that. saw that joke coming down Broadway?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one. How did the bodiless man win the race?
2: Well, he was
0: ahead. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> All right. And then I, I like this one. I'm going to consider this like fall or harvest themed. What was the fattest fruit?
2: What is the fattest fruit? A plumpkin.
1: <laughs> That's the worst joke I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: it's not the worst joke we've ever heard, by the way. All right. So um, these are so fun. I uh, I appreciate that some of them have a little bit like of a sports theme. What's a sock's favorite sport? Soccer. Um, I, I like uh, I like the ones that, um, you know, maybe it mentions an animal or maybe it mentions I mean, like I like the insect one. What insect is the warmest? A yellow jacket um, there. There's like a time and a place sometimes for a joke. And so it's not just about having a few good jokes memorized and in our, you know, kind of in our pocket. But we kind of need to think about the the time or the event or what's going on. Um, and you've got jokes that that really do, um, cross a wide range of activities and spaces where we might, uh, where we might use one of these. So I really, um, I really appreciate it. William, when you think about, um, uh, when you think about all of the things that you do, cause you're a busy guy and you have a lot of really diverse interests. Um, I think that help, probably helps you not only as, a, a I don't know a jokester what are we calling you I mean are you a full-on comedian I don't know what do you call a person who develops jokes
2: I am really not sure um Mm -hmm. but I mean I have been bridging out into comedy so I guess you could say I'm a comedian
0: (laughs) okay so that has to do with delivery it's not just about coming up with the idea and writing the joke there's also a a process of delivery involved can you talk about that
2: well I say um Yeah, yeah, Uh, there definitely is a thing of delivery, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, delivery. Um, You could either read it boring, where people don't really like it, but if you really want to get them to laugh, you kind of have to say it in, almost like like an accent, but a little bit of a sarcastic. Like, for example, I'll, uh, I'll read one. Please. Why was the pig mad at his computer? So you say it like accent, like questioning, like, why was the pig mad at his computer? You know, and you wait a second. And he said, because he
0: had spam mail. <laughs> okay, so I have a, uh, I love that. And you're right. There is a way to do this. And you're really okay. good at it. Um, I appreciate that. Let me ask this question from a like, okay, you wrote a book and you're in your book. Obviously, you've published these these jokes these are now because they're copyrighted your jokes um and and so that's um that's really unique every time I tell one of these jokes do I need to give you credit and reference like hey I heard this joke from William Daniel it's in you're joking me um what did the lightning bolt say to the tornado you stole my thunder because I don't want to steal your thunder man I want to um you know I want to celebrate you
2: I don't really think you need to uh, – if you're just reading it from the from the book, you could – if, they're, if uh, your friend or something is wondering which book you got it from, definitely show them. But I don't think it's that necessary for you to really uh, <laughs> cite your sources, I guess. I mean, after <laughs> all, they're just jokes. They're supposed to be meant – they're uh, meant to be funny.
0: Well, I hope that um, in the spirit of one of your jokes – um, I hope you end up being um, a very rich baker. I hope you end up with a lot of dough. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. know, see? I don't know that I'm a very good joke teller, but I sure have appreciated um, our conversation today and your book. William Daniel is the author. You're Joking Me is the book. We're giving away copies today. If you'd like to enter that drawing, you can text the word book to 877-877. Nine three You're joking me. Jokes for kids by a kid. William, where can people um connect with you um online? Is that even a possibility?
2: Uh, yes, I do have uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh Facebook is uh the William Daniel. And uh or I'm sorry. Let's just do Instagram, that one. Oh, yeah, Instagram is uh D. William Daniel. Facebook is uh at the William Daniel I'm sorry Instagram is the William Daniel author and YouTube is the William Daniel author
0: nice the William Daniel and the William Daniel author that's how you're going to yeah. find William online William what a joy thank you so much for, for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen Yep. have a great day alright you're listening uh, to Mornings with Carmen we're going to be right back mm-hmm. Okay. Clearly you guys loved William, right? I mean, how precious. Uh, and yes, how refreshing to not, um, you know, just be full of sarcasm or anger. Um, all right. Here are a few more um, jokes because some of these I just find really wonderful and I'm putting them in my back pocket for use later. What did one car say to the other car? You're driving me crazy, which I have heard myself say before. and. And how do you know if a fashion model is your enemy? Because they pose a threat. <laughs> All right. And one more, because, you know, it is, um, it is Farm Report Friday, and we've had a Farm Report today. Uh, I should have used this joke in the Friday Farm Report, and I'll substitute my own name in the joke. Why was Carmen's garden so short? Because it was a yard. There you go. I know. I know. There you go. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just love it. Okay. uh, Let's see. What else have I got here? Oh, here's a tidbit of information for you. The Presbyterian Church USA is adding non-binary and genderqueer categories to their official church statistics. So um, there you go. I don't know. There's so much going on in the world. Um, Some of it's not... Worthy of making a joke of, but um, there, yeah, it, it is a comp, it is complicated out there. And so, thank you um, for bringing uh, a little light and levity to the conversation. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, you can get today's show notes and links to everything we talked about at myfaithradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. If you're not subscribed to Mornings with Carmen, why not? Yeah, it ought to be in your subscription list so you can get the show notes every day. Hey, have a great weekend, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.